Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune thy heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus on me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, the grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Amen. You may be seated. Come on around, Tyler. Tyler's got a couple songs for us. You pray for him as he comes and uh, ministers to us in song. Usually when I come up here and sing, I have uh, a couple songs that have been on my mind and uh, songs that I usually try to arrange in a certain way to where it kind of tells some sort of story. Uh, but I don't know, I've just been playing some of the songs, uh, just practicing some of the old stuff that I played in the past. And man, I just started uh, worshiping through some songs and uh, those are just... The ones that the Lord put on my heart, I guess, when I uh, was uh, deciding to come up here and play tonight. So I, uh, I pray that uh, you guys can be able to worship with me tonight. And 
that these songs can be a blessing to you. song by now God you would have reached down and wiped my tears away stepped in and saved the day once again I say amen and it's still raining and as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whispering takes away and I'll praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am and every tear I've cried you hold in your hands you never left my side and though my heart is torn
The next song I have to sing uh, is uh, As Far As the East Is From The West. It's a Casting Crown song. and I just uh, can't help but at times to be in awe of just the fact that I'm forgiven and that all the sins that I've done and everything in my past I don't have to worry about. So many times that stuff comes back to my mind and I can wallow in regret and shame and uh, man, just choosing otherwise to revel in uh, just the freedom God has given me and uh, just the help he's been and uh, everything I've been through and everything he's forgiven me of and man, I just uh, I just got I just got nothing to do but to praise him for it uh, for everything he's forgiven me for for everything he continues to forgive me of uh, you know I was telling uh, the I, I teach the middle school boys at youth group and I was telling them last night you know uh, don't think because you get saved that that's it and you're just going to be living flawless anymore man I got saved at 11 years old and uh, I didn't learn what was really out there and what all I could get into until I was in high school so uh, you know uh, just being able to come out of that and grow out of that and looking back and all the muck that I got stuck in and what God's bringing me through and how he put me where I'm at. I'm just so thankful that I was able to get saved. But even after that, God pointed out areas like, hey, you still have, you may have gotten saved, but this part of the old man's still here and you need to get rid of him. And I'm just so thankful for the continual work God does in my life post-salvation, and just the forgiving nature of our God. Here I am, Lord, and I'm drowning in your sea of forgetfulness. The chains of yesterday surround me. I yearn for peace and rest. I don't want to end up where you found me. And it echoes in my mind, keeps me awake tonight. I know you've cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. And I stand before you now as though I've never sinned. But today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? And I don't have to see the man I've been from rising up in me again. In the arms of your mercy I found rest. Cause you know just how far the east 
Harry's no stranger to us. Harry, come on, open up the Word of God. We know he's going to preach right from the Word of God, and we know he loves to do it. Amen? So come on and share with us this evening. Gospel of John, chapter 7, if you would, please. Gospel of John, chapter 7. privilege to preach the word of God in Cunningham Missionary Baptist Church. It really is. And we'll be looking at verse 45 and 46 for the time being. to have you stand for a moment and we'll uh, have a short prayer and then we'll look at the word of God. John chapter 7 verse 45 and 46. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and they said unto them, why have ye not brought him? Referring to Jesus. The officers answered, never man make like this man. Verse 32 tells us, that these officers were of the Pharisees, of the chief priests, and included was probably the officers, the members of the Sanhedrin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, would you, Harry, would you lead?
may be seated. The question that arose among the Jews was this. Is Jesus the promised Messiah? And could the carpenter's son actually be the one about whom the prophets of old wrote, that is, Israel's long-awaited redeemer? This chapter, chapter 7 of John, the Gospel of John, is filled with controversy about Jesus Christ. I mean, the actions that make up this chapter occur during the annual Jewish celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And this feast was to commemorate uh, the wilderness travels of the Israelites after they left Egypt. And the question arises, arises, and what were these Israelites to do during this feast, according to scripture? Well, they were to make booths, made generally out of tree branches, in which they would, they would stay for a time during the feast, so they could be reminded of God's care for the Israelites when they lived in tents, in tents during their travels uh, in the wilderness. Uh, a controversy. On the one hand, many were convinced that this was indeed he that should come, referring to Jesus. On the other hand, uh, the religious leaders believed and were convinced uh, that this stranger, as he was called from Galilee, was nothing more than an imposter, a counterfeit. And so they were Therefore, they were determined and set out to have him arrested and taken out of the way. Look, please, at John chapter 7, verse 31 and 32. John chapter 7, and verse 31 and 32. And many of the people believed on him and said, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. People saw the miracles, and they were convinced, folks, about Christ's identity. Notice in verse 31 of John chapter 7, and many of the people believed on him. In spite of the efforts of Christ's enemies, Many still believed on him. And I might add this here, and that this is an encouragement to all of us who minister and labor in the gospel ministry. Sometimes it seems like the enemy is overwhelming and, and that all the people will reject the word of God. That is not true. That's not true. And, the, the, and why, why is that so? Because the enemy is not powerful enough to stop faith. They are not. And, and, I, and I think, uh, I look again at verse 32. Look at verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. There's number one, our point, the prompting of the sending. The religious leaders had their spies, spies circulating throughout the city of Jerusalem not only to find out where Christ was, folks, but to learn of those who might be favoring Christ. 
how you'll, and now you'll just look at John chapter 7, verse 13, if you would, please. John chapter 7, verse 13. And you'll find out that believers were being intimidated and they were being threatened. John chapter 7, verse 13. Howbeit no man spake openly of him. Why? For fear of the Jews. Then not only was the prompting of the sending in the sending, but also the people, number two, in the sending. And the chief priest, verse 32 now, the chief priest sent officers to what? To take him. The officers, who were they? They, they were the people in the, in the sending here. Just who were these officers? Well, they were, they were temple guards and servant soldiers of the religious hierarchy of Israel. Now, I understand that these were not, these were not Roman soldiers, but Jewish soldiers who were serving the Jewish, Jewish rulers, especially, especially the religious rulers. And it was Judas Iscariot who got an army to go after Christ in Gethsemane from this bunch. So the prompting, you have the people, and now you have number three, the purpose in the sending. And just the last three words in John chapter 7, verse 32, tells us something. To what? To take him. The word take there means to apprehend. As we read in verse 31 that many of the people believed on him, they didn't want more people to accept Jesus Christ as Messiah. And in John chapter 7, verse 1, we read that the Pharisees and the chief priests were among those who wanted to kill Jesus. What an evil mission it was that these soldier servants were sent on. What? To have Christ arrested and brought to the leaders so they so that they could do their cruel deed of killing the king of glory. So it was a cruel mission that the officers were on. So the officers returned at some point later. This is interesting. But they were unsuccessful in, appealing, in, in apprehending him, returning empty-handed. They returned empty-handed from their mission to arrest and capture Jesus. Look again at John chapter 7, verse 45, toward the end of that verse. They said this to these officers. Why have ye not brought him? We have here, number one, the missing in the return. Then you have this, number two, verse, the message in the return. Verse 46, here's the answer the officers gave. The answers, the officers, officers answered, never man fake like this that's the title of our lesson never man remember when you first read the bible and you got under conviction never man spake like this man's spirit they may have expected the officers to have uh, uh, have replied something like this he arrested he resisted arrest or he escaped or he eluded us or or his disciples and followers prevented us from taking him. But the answer they received, for, for, rather, from these officers certainly was not what they had expected. The officers answered this, never man, 
Never man spake like this man. I may say this, that the ungodliness, ungodliest of all men had been conquered by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see it at the mission. Please note, these temple guards and or soldiers, servants of the religious leaders were no sympathizers. They were no sympathizers with Jesus Nazareth. Rather, they were men of the world, ungodly men. And yet when they, on their cruel mission, went to arrest the Lord Jesus and heard him speak, they were captivated, get it, captivated by his speaking and were unable to carry out the order that was given to them. His teaching, his teaching was so overwhelming. And so they said in verse 46 there, never man spake like this man. So what happened, dear brothers and sisters in Christ? What happened, dear ones? They had been conquered by the words and the speech of Christ. I believe we ought to be encouraged and be comforted, folks, by these words. And you say, why? Why so, brother? Well, because we can have hope for the unsaved loved one of ours. Get that? Who are far from God, that they also can be arrested by the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. They came to arrest Christ, but they were rendered helpless by the power of what? By the power of his word. Never man spake like this man, they said. What happened? Well, they were completely rendered powerless by the speech and the words of Jesus Christ. Turn with me now, please, if you would please, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going the wrong way. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And we read this from the very lips of our Savior. Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Think of the, think of the sinner that is under heavy conviction, and he wonders if he as a heavy-laden sinner, he wonders if he could ever somehow be ever rid of that burden, that heavy, that heavy burden that he carries of guilt and shame. And then through a witness, yeah, a soul winner, or a Bible track, or in a Bible-believing Christ-centered church like this one, or in being invited to a Bible study, or say a cantata, and for the first time, he or she really hears that verse. That sinner who for the first time hears that burdens are lifted. I love that hymn. Burdened as burdens are lifted at Calvary, that sinner can have easily said at that time, never man spake like this man. When Jesus preached to a great congregation, when he spoke in conversation to an individual, we can say, never man spake like this man. And so we might ask this question at this time. What was special? What was special about Christ as a speaker? 
Roman number one I have, Jesus Christ was a plain speaker. He spoke plainly. The officers came to the conclusion that as they heard Jesus speak, and as they heard other men speak of various persuasions, that this, never man, spake like this man. He was a plain speaker, and he spoke like no one else. And that tells us that he was a number one, a superior speaker. As far as the officers were concerned, he was superior to anyone they had ever heard. Never man, they said, spake like this man. And, and, and that word never, there in that verse, means not even at any time. And so the officers were saying, not even at any time have we ever heard a superior speaker to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this word never is the same word that the Lord Jesus expresses in Matthew 7, verse 23. Don't turn to it, please. But when he declared the day of reckoning for false professors, he said this, and then, I profess unto them, I never knew you. Same word. Depart from me, ye that work. He was saying not at any time, not at any time did I know you. On another occasion in Mark chapter 2, uh, you don't have to turn there again. We'll buy some time, beginning with verse 1, on, 1 through verse 12. A paralytic is healed. 1 verse 3 says, thick of the palsy, and was let down through the roof. You'll remember that in your reading, through that flat roof, and into Jesus' presence, very present. After Jesus immediate immediately cured the man many that were there folks to see the healing of the man it says of them in mark chapter 2 verse 12 and immediately he arose took up the bed and went forth before them all in some can you imagine being there and that and in so much that they were all amazed and glorified saying now notice we never well you don't notice i'll quote it we never saw it on this word, on, on this fashion. We never saw it on this fashion. Same word is used there. We never saw it like this before, not even at any time. At no time, at no place did we see a miracle like this wrought. Those officers used the same word to describe Christ. You think of the great preachers of all ages, you can name some, that the Lord God has been pleased to bless the church with down through the ages, all of them being mighty men, Spurgeon and others as well, D.L. Moody, men of the scriptures, eloquent in the preaching of the word of God. But Christ, folks, I'm telling you, superior, all of them. Those officers testified to they went to they said never man never man like this man someone said this of our lord and i quote the charm of his eloquence the dignity of his person is all inspiring demeanor and a singular something they knew not what 
that divinity that doth hedge about such a king as he was, reigned, reigned, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, never man spake like this man. Are you still with me? Say amen. Well, not even the apostle Paul, folks, spoke like this man. Jesus Christ was a superior preacher. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Anybody ever heard of him? Raise your hand, will you? Yeah, most everybody here. Spurgeon said this. He was called the Prince of Preachers, he was, Charles Haddon. The Metropolitan Tabernacle there in England was filled to capacity at every meeting. And everywhere Charles Haddon Spurgeon went to preach, the, the buildings were jam-packed and overflowing, crammed in to hear this great preacher. And if you read his sermons, you would know why he was dubbed the Prince of Preachers. But if they might have called Spurgeon the prince of preachers, our Lord Jesus Christ was the king. The king of preachers. Why is that so? Why do you say that, Brother Middleman? It was never man, never man, fake like this. Now, Jesus Christ was not only a superior preaching preacher, but he was also a, number two, a simple preacher preacher, a simple preacher. Think, of ben, think again about those officers. Again, I have it that they were probably temple guards and or soldiers, servants of the religious leaders of the Jews, and not Roman soldiers. They were probably not at all well educated. But when they returned from their mission of attempting to arrest Jesus, they gave this testimony of him that never man spake like this man, never man. And that testimony by them tells us that these officers understood or comprehended what the Lord had said. These uneducated, ungodly officers could understand what the Lord said. The Gospels, you take the Gospels, for example, Brother Barry, there is a depth in them that is so vast that the greatest human intellect could not fathom it. And yet, when he spoke, when our Lord did such plainness, with such, with such plain speech, with such simplicity, that such uneducated men could understand, yea, a little child, with certainty we can claim, oh, what a preacher Christ Turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, if you would. I'm almost done. Mark chapter 12 and verse 37. Toward the end of the verse. End of the verse, we read this. And the common people heard him. Matthew, Mark chapter 12, verse 37. And the common people heard him gladly. Christ did not, did not at large appeal to the people with position in the world. I want you to get this now. Take anything home with you. You don't take anything home with you. Take this with you. Christ did not at large appeal to the people with position in the world, 
but this he did. He did appeal to the common, ordinary folk. That is still true today. I think that I can say this also. Ordinary folk often have more spiritual discernment those uh, in society. Political rulers and religious leaders, you look at them now, often are woefully short of spiritual knowledge and perception. You have a man, you have a woman. Spiritual knowledge and perception many times don't, whereas many ordinary folk have a, I'm looking at ordinary folk, folks, and many ordinary folk have a much better grasp of spiritual matters. I can also say this with certainty. It is not position in life that matters. It is not position in life, but that relationship. And again, many ordinary people have more sense in which matters the most than those who are high in respect and position in this world. The Bible says, but the common people heard him gladly. Mark 12, verse 37. They heard him gladly. The common or ordinary uh, people, many a times uneducated people, heard him gladly. They could understand what he was saying. Look, please, at John chapter, Mark chapter 12, verse 37, toward the end of the verse again. Mark 12, verse 37. And the common people heard him gladly. Notice the word gladly. You know what it means? It means sweetly, with relish. Relish. They, re, they relished the preaching of Christ. His words were sweet as honey. And they were like manna from heaven. And even, and even the children could understand him. Although we, we, not, do we not read of, of him taking them up in his arms and having them sit on his knees, just being his. And also our Lord Jesus Christ, in short sentences, speak short sentences, plain words. He spoke about simple things like candles, and fish, and seed, sheep. Our Lord, our wonderful Lord, was understandable. The children could understand him as well as the common people, as well as the officers. Never, not even at any time, they said after hearing him, never, never, not even at any time, never man spake like this man. I believe at the end of my lesson here, I'm going to call it a speech or a sermon. I'd like to share just one more thing. Walk away from the pulpit. And, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody here. Not saved. When I don't know. I want to give you ready? from a mini track and hand this to somebody. You don't even have a word to them. 
of the gospel. Let me read it to you. Got four points. Four points and I'm done. Number one, you need to be saved. Romans 6.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. Number two, you cannot save yourself. Ephesians 2.8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved and not of works. Number three, God loves you and has provided the Savior. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, verse 8. And then number four, God promises salvation to all who trust Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16, 31. And I'm almost done. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish or wind up in hell, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16 gospel in a nutshell. Pastor Mike. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Daryl. Uh, Derek, come around. Get us a hymn. Something for this evening. Thank you, Brother Harry. Do you remember when the words of Jesus stopped you in your tracks. Maybe you had heard them your whole life. Maybe they have always been a part of your life. But then one day, for whatever reason, those words were different. That's what happened when Jesus came on the scene. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when he spoke, it stopped people. And he still speaks today. And has the Word of God stopped you to where you listen? I remember Brother Harry was sharing that. I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking, Lord, I remember. I remember when the first time when I read the Sermon on the Mount and I realized... Look at the end of that thing. I don't do anything that you ask me to. I remember that time when he spoke to the rich young ruler and it felt like he was talking to me. And I knew I was holding on to so much stuff. How about you? Is he calling you? Is he speaking to you? What are you doing with it? Dear Lord, we have heard the word of God tonight. Thank you for using your man tonight. Thank you for letting him be obedient to the word of God. What a privilege it is to be in a church where men get up and they do not look to impress us or to, or, or, or to show off with the word of God, but open it up and said, thus saith the word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for your word. It's thrilled my heart tonight. If there's someone here who it's convicted, I pray that they would come. Pray at an altar. Get help that they need. Go to a friend and pray. Reach out to us after the service. Whatever 
they feel they need to do. But let us respond correctly to the word of God this evening. In your wonderful name we pray. As we stand and sing, let's sing a verse. In a place called